Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Vessel Church podcast. Vessel is a Book of Acts church in Baton Rouge, and our mission for this podcast is to equip people to carry the name, spirit, and cross of Christ in our pursuit of Him and His kingdom. That's why we're actually here today, is because we've went through this series of build, building houses of prayer, building altars, and building the kingdom through witness. But today is a lot less about the spiritual aspect of it, but actually practically, how do we live that out in our lives? And I'm here with Astrid and Mark, and I'm so excited to get into this conversation. Uh, It's gonna be a lot of fun, and so I hope that wherever you are, uh, you're able to take notes, and uh, we're just gonna jump right in and talk this out, and we'll start with building houses of prayer. And so we wanna approach this from an experience standpoint and a practical standpoint. If you have any, any pro tips about building houses of prayer or kind of that approach that you take in your life. And so, Astrid, we're going to do ladies first and start with you. Not to throw you on the spot or anything. Wow, really threw me under the bus there. (laughs) (laughs) But talk to us about what that means to you and how it is that you actually live that out in your life. Building a house of prayer for me. Yeah, it is interesting that we're talking about this from a practical standpoint. I feel like a lot of times in church we're like, this is what we need to do, blah, 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 blah. But then it's like, okay, that's awesome. How do you actually do that? Uh, so for me, that looks like um, really dedicating specific spots in my house and in my life where like that's when I pray, that's where I pray. Um, my car is my favorite place to pray. Um I like to just like whenever I park my car, I just get in there and like put on some worship music and whenever I'm done with the day or whenever I'm starting off my day and I'm in my car, like that's where I read my Bible. That's where I really just sit down and like just sit with God and just zone in. Does that have to do with the fact that you have roommates? Absolutely, it yeah. does. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, probably it's one of the only times where she actually has just by herself time. Yeah, because it'd be, I don't know, it'd be rude if I just belted out in prayer in the middle middle of my apartment. (laughs) You freak him out a little bit. So you spend time in your car just when it's just you and God. You've got specific places. So after the first um, sermon on build that we did whenever we started that series, Um, I was thinking about crafts to do with the kids and I came across this like little fold up almost origami um, house that you could like really like make however you want. Um, But basically I did to where it had like entering the gates with praise and thanksgiving, you open it up and then you have um, like the bathroom where you can repent, you know, wash yourself by the word. And then there's the garage where you can pray over people. You're coming, you're going like the people that you come in contact with that, that would be blessed. Um, and then there's the kitchen, which was praying for, you know, your family, the needs of those like that are in your circle, uh, the bedroom, which was personal needs, you know, personal supplications to God. Um, and then the living room, which was the rest of my habits, the rest of my everyday life to be centered on God. So, Which is crazy cool, yeah. right? Because that's not like, it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's not praying through the tabernacle, which are great prayer plans. There's all kinds of prayer plans based on prayers throughout the Bible. But I love that because it's something that takes the actual metaphor of a house of prayer 
but you, you, no pun intended, you build that out and, and make it to where it's practical and there's almost like prayer stations through the house. And so I, it, I would love that list and it's something I'm going to go back and listen and write it down. And I hope that whoever's listening or watching, it's, it's a way that you can do it and almost visualize mm-hmm. as you right. pray. And if you're at your house, like if, if I'm at home, I could actually go through those different rooms and pray those prayers and it makes prayer interactive. It makes it to where I'm not just in this one place because I think sometimes that that does. People think that I need to sit down or I need to kneel. I need to be in this one spot and I just need to focus and I need to try and make that happen. But we can get distracted. Yeah. Uh, we can get off course really easily. We'll have our phone nearby. It starts vibrating. Something something quick there and it just hit me. I'm going to throw this out there and we can move past it pretty quick. But I feel like a lot of times as Christians, we equate stillness to God's presence. And sometimes that's true, but sometimes it's not. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Jesus wants us to like move and to be active because he can connect with us in a way when we're doing that, that he would not otherwise been able to if we were just still. So there is a place in time for stillness, but there is also a place and a time for movement and yeah. action and, and being and really just doing something different yeah. with Jesus. And, and that I think that you're, that's perfect what y'all are speaking to because it gives you the opportunity to do that. Right. I think sometimes Jesus likes us to just be a little bit different in how we approach him. And that's a great way to do it. Well, I, I, I agree, Mark. And that's a gr- really great point because how many times have you, uh, how many times have you just like kind of been stuck and then you just went outside for a walk and it just kind of opened up your senses, it opened up your mind. Same thing with prayer. Like when you just, sometimes I will step outside and just get out in the open to where like I feel like my prayers are going to be able to get a little further than my ceiling. You know what I'm saying? And so there's a mental aspect to that too. I I, I really feel that. Yeah, I I feel that. And and so um, that's a really great point. And just another practical tip for anybody that maybe is, is struggling in a moment of prayer, like change the environment, go take a walk, get outside. You know, there, there are scriptures that talk about how nature even itself, how the, 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 the moon and the stars, all these things proclaim the praise of God. So whenever you actually get out into creation, mm-hmm. it's a great way to be able to help jumpstart your prayers. Yeah. Astra, was there anything else, any, anything that you had in the chamber that you were ready to, ready to share with, with building a house of prayer, practical tips? Uh, I mean, besides the little fold up thing i think it's important just to like always put those goals into something visual because whenever you don't like write it down or put it into a picture or just like have it in on display somewhere like reminders of like god's love and like god's promises and your purpose in life uh we just tend to forget in the everyday so one of the things that will just like quicken your mind to prayer and all those things is to just like have reminders everywhere about those things yeah yeah i that's that's a really really good suggestion and i would just add the the power of a prayer journal and it doesn't even have to be a physical journal it can be a power of a, of a prayer note in your phone mm-hmm. where if you just keep a log of some sort not only of needs but also words that the lord speaks Uh, promises, prophecies you feel like God gives to you in prayer or in a service, and then continually bring that before the Lord. Mark, I feel like 
the way that, that you're talking about people equate stillness, I, I feel like sometimes we equate words or promise or prophecy as though they're just one and done things that once they're given, it's like, all right, whenever really most of the time those words are given for us to steward. That's right. Yeah. For, they're living and breathing. They're living and breathing. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And the more that we engage with those words, the more that we pray those things, the more that we pray those promises, the more that we see them come to fruition in our lives. And so it's not something where you just write it down and then never visit again, but it's something that you petition before the Lord. I mean, God, God was reminded of the covenant that he made with mm -hmm. I, I it was either abraham or noah i'm so sorry but he was reminded moses well multiple times you have with with abraham whenever lot the whole sodom and gomorrah thing then right. you have moses with the people of israel when they made the idol so yeah so he would be reminded of the covenant and it's not that he forgets right but i do believe there's something about keeping it in front of the lord well it's the principle of everything that you refuse to feed will die like wow it, it will die. Yeah. And if that's, if that's really good, if that's your plan, great <laughs> mission accomplished. But if you've been given the word or, or you've been given these foundations and these principles to steward and the point is for them to live and to be active, well, you have to feed it, man. That's so good. Like you just, it's elementary, but you just, you got to feed it. That's so good. So now we'll switch to you, Mark. Any, what, what's, what's practical things that you would suggest or that you implement in your own life when it comes to building a house of prayer. Yeah, so I think for me, when when we talk about building a house of prayer, I think of three things that I, that I point to, especially in a practical application. We've talked about it before, but the first question, and, and if we're building this foundation, it's why are you praying in the first place? And my challenge to whoever's watching, if you're in a place where you can do this, write down the answers to these. Yeah. Why do you pray? Wow. Like, what's the reason? Because if, if there's no if there's no reason, if there's no foundation of why you do it, eventually it's going to get mundane. You're going to get tired of it. You're going to get burnt out, and then you're going to stop. And I think we can all agree that not praying is probably not very healthy or good for you. So we all know we want to pray, but we need to find out why. Once we find out why we're going to pray, we need to find out how. How do we pray? What plan do we do? Do we just like sit in a room and start talking to Jesus? Like what is that? What does that look like? And then once we learn kind of how to pray, we figure out what to pray. And then that is, do I pray specific things? What do I pray for during this time? What am I going through in this season? Who do I need to speak over? Who do I need to pray for? And my challenge would be, if, if you're going to build yourself into a house of prayer, it's probably not a ridiculous idea to just plan that. Yeah. Write down the questions. Write down those three things. Yeah. Why are you going to pray? And you can do it on a day-by-day -day basis. Why am I going to pray today? Okay, now that I know why, how am I going to pray today? Is there a plan I'm going to follow? Am I going to pray through the tabernacle? Am I going to pray the Lord's prayer? What am I going to do? And then what am I going to pray for? And have it scripted and be very, very targeted. I think Jesus loves detail. He absolutely yeah. loves detail. Yeah. And so I, I often find myself when I, when I don't do things like that, I'll sit down to pray. And when I don't, and I'm an analytical person, I like to think, um, people will probably disagree, but it's, it's okay. Um, I think when I sit down and just like start to pray, quote unquote, like I'm going to get lost somewhere. I'm going to get distracted. Something's going to like pop into my head. I'm going to space out. But if I can pray through that plan and I have it structured of if I know why I'm going to pray, 
If I know how I'm going to pray, what plan I'm going to follow, and I know what I'm going to pray for, I can be very intentional, very targeted, and I can be very focused. And I think I can get Man. the attention of Jesus in my mind, maybe just a little bit better because I'm being very specific. Yeah. Well, he's a God that knows the number of hairs on your head. Yep. He's a God that gave incredible amount of detail and instruction in Exodus when it came to yeah. worship. Yep. So why would we be vague? And I believe there are times where we don't really know what to pray. And that's, right. that's whenever we need to make sure that we are in a position where we can invite the spirit and mm-hmm. pray, allow the spirit to pray through us. But why not be specific? Why not be detailed? Yeah. I love that. Well, and I think too, like if, if we don't have that, like if you're missing any one of those elements, our prayers become significantly less effective, significantly less effective because, and I say this often, but Yes is nothing without how, how is nothing without why. And so if somebody asks you, hey, did you pray today? And the answer is yes. Well, natural follow-up question should be how. Right. And if you tell them how, the natural follow-up question should be why. And if we can't answer any one of those, like we missed it somewhere. Wow. And we, we're probably not being very effective in our prayers. And, and it's not that your prayers didn't go anywhere, but we could be more effective. Yeah. It's like, um, it makes me think of like commissioning a piece of art to somebody and you're commissioning it. And it's just like, I, I want a picture of a red balloon or just, if you just say, I just want a painting of a balloon and it's like, okay, what color, what size, just one, is there a background? Is somebody holding the balloon? Is the balloon flying? Like, is it deflated? Like you, like the commission would get finished a lot quicker and it would be more to your like liking, I guess when you are specific it makes me think of that which is a random analogy but that's that's just where my mind went no that's great and i i think too it's it's like why whenever you are that way with your prayer um you're tethering yourself even more to god to say like you can take care of even these detailed Mm -hmm. what what some people maybe categorize as small things it's like no like why why not trust the Lord with all this? And that was actually going to be my one thing that I would add is, is, is instead of looking at like building a house of prayer from the perspective of, you know, I want to build to where I spend an hour, hour and a half with God every single day. Okay, that's great. And, and, and you can strive for that, absolutely. Or you can start with, I want to include God in many moments throughout the day. I want to I want to I want to enter to that place where I do pray without ceasing. And so I read some uh somewhere about a pastor who had a day he was so busy. He was he had to it started off with meetings. Um and then he had to go to his son's soccer practice and then he had more meetings and he said he was so busy through the day mm-hmm. that he forgot to eat. And then it wasn't until he was headed home that hunger hit him, like that those hunger pains where it's like it, your body's reminding you, I have not been nourished. In a painful way, by In the way. In a painful way. And he said that the Lord spoke to him and said, how many times have you forsaken me because of busyness? And so what the guide said, it was like, he said, I am going to, I, I made the commitment I'm going to start including God in the moments. 
He said, that's why before every single meeting I go into, I take a moment. He said, it's probably 30 seconds, sometimes a minute. And I just pray before that meeting very, very quickly. He said, whenever I get home from work and I'm in the driveway before I walk into the home, I don't know the status of my wife, the status of my children. I don't know what day she's had, you know, so I could be walking into any one of thousands of scenarios. He says, so before I walk in, I take a moment and I pray right there in my driveway that the Lord would just help me whatever is before me. And so I think whenever we build houses of prayer, we approach it from that standpoint. God, I invite you to each moment by, by before we enter into that moment, taking time, it doesn't have to be a lot, but just taking time to say, Lord, go before me, be with me, guide me, help me, lead me, whatever it is, and just making it to where you are that more cognizant in praying, right? Um, and then, of course, having a prayer partner. I think if you struggle to pray, if you struggle to build a prayer life, find somebody that you, you trust their prayer life, you trust, you can tell that they're a praying person, just have them just have have a, a steady text going with them. Like have 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 something to where there's open communication about prayer. Yeah. You know, allow them to be able to ask you the question. Have you prayed today? Why did you pray? How did you pray? Yeah. What did you pray? Yeah. It, it's it's important too, and I've struggled with this when, you know, as a as a younger person, but if you're not already established in your prayer life, don't let the fear or the anxiety of you not being there yet stop you from starting Absolutely. you Absolutely. have to start somewhere have to and the best place to start and the best tools to start with is where you are now and with whatever is in your hands yep the best place to start i a hundred percent i could not agree more you know the old adage is rome wasn't built in a day right like mm-hmm. a house the house that we sit in right now it mm-hmm. took time houses of prayer take time that's why that's why it's a house of prayer and not a tent of prayer not a hut of prayer not not a a uh, a sleeping bag of prayer right it takes time and i think it's funny that like some neighborhoods and houses are called developments yeah because it it takes time to build and it takes time to develop to develop and Absolutely. you're gonna do it together that's so good you're gonna do it together that's so, so good. when you can connect yourself to a community of all these people with this common set of goals, beliefs, and values, you'll find that you will all develop into a development of prayer. So on that, on that note, let's talk about development in the sense of building altars. What, cause that, we can talk about the altar, what it represents, but how do we build that? And I, my opinion, um, just based on, on, on studying like the altar is, is a central point right in in terms of worship so uh even in preaching the message about building altars i I made the claim that an altar should be the central point of a house of prayer and so but i i feel like though sometimes we can lose out on what that means and looks like to build an altar and so we don't we don't have stones that we actually put together we're not putting animals thank god for blood sacrifices, we don't have to do that anymore. And so Mark started us off on like, how do we develop and build altars in our lives? So when I think about the concept of an altar, um, and it is probably the cliche like Pentecostal kid in me, but it goes, to me, it goes directly to sacrifice. 
And when I get on the topic of sacrifice, I think the question is not necessarily what type of altar do you want to have and do you want to have one? It's what are you willing to leave behind to have it? Wow. And I, I think that's the question that I've, I've, I struggle with. And I think we all do, because if, if we're going to be called to have altars and be, you know, build these, these paths and, and these, these principles of altars, it's going to require sacrifice and that's going to bring us somewhere. But the question I think we have to ask ourselves, and it's, it's, it's very practical to me is what am I willing to leave behind to have this altar? And what am I willing to lay on it in an act of sacrifice? And what does that look like? Wow. And I think that's a hard question to answer because sometimes we have to lay down our desires. Sometimes it's convenience. Sometimes it's my financial resources. Sometimes mm. it's my time. Mm. Sometimes it's my energy and effort. And so it's, it's not necessarily this big spiritual idea. Sometimes the, the altar of sacrifice looks like you leaving home early or leaving home early so you can go and be in the community and touch what God needs you to touch. Sometimes it looks like leaving work early to go home because you're needed at your house. Wow. Yeah. And so building that altar of sacrifice is extremely important and everybody wants one, but what are we willing to leave behind to have one? And what do we stand to gain when we have them is I think the thought process that I go to. It's, it's real easy to, to say, yeah, I, I want to have the altar of sacrifice in my home. But when it comes time to actually build the altar and sacrifice, we're all like, mm, I don't know that that's for me. It's tough stuff. Dude. It is. It's hard. It's tough. It's really, really hard. And that's why Jesus asked us to do it. <laughs> that's why he asked us to do it, because it's yeah. extremely hard. And yeah. he knows what's on the other side of it. And we don't. And, and oh, man, boy, did you say a mouthful there? Wow. It's amazing how. Jesus asks us of tough things because he knows that it's always tough things that lead to deep things. Mm -hmm. Tough things are rarely connected to temporary, right? They're rarely connected to small things. Yeah. But man, when you, when you go through with it, it can lead to, to spiritual and, and, and soulful depth. Yeah. Like you, you, the, the, the fountain of your soul just deepens, your joy deepens, your yeah. peace deepens. Now it's on the other side yeah. of, of having to lay something down, yeah. of having to do something that you didn't necessarily want to. If, if I can take like just a minute to share this, the, the example that comes to mind, and it's probably going to be a weird one, and it may not fit here, but I feel like it does. Um, when I think of building an altar and, and being you know, people that, that build altars, the person that comes to mind first is the Good Samaritan. And that's weird, but I'll tell you why. He sacrificed so much to do what he did. And he broke so many social norms he gave of his time, his energy, his effort, his financial resources. He gave of his reputation. He laid every single bit of who he was on the line to serve another person mm. in one of the greatest acts of sacrifice known to human history. He did that. Wow. And so when we're talking about building altars of sacrifice, he literally modeled what it looked like. And he saw the need and met it. He knew the price and he paid it and he didn't talk himself out of it. Wow. That's he, he embodied sacrifice. Yeah. With that act. Yeah. He, he, he laid 
everything down all for the sake of doing something that maybe he wasn't even thinking, but it would be pleasing to the Lord. You know, wow, that's good. Astrid, anything you want to add to that? I'd have to follow up after that. (laughs) When I think of altars, of, of building an altar, my mind goes to just the idea of a testimony and thinking back at altars that I've built because of moments of sacrifice, of faith, of trusting in God, and using those, and every single day, whenever I get the opportunity to, whenever it comes up a conversation, to be able to share why I have those altars in the first place, why they're meaningful to me, why the sacrifice paid off and I was able to be rewarded in a way greater than I imagined when I initially made the sacrifice. You know, there's different things that God has asked me to put down and sacrifice of myself that, a lot of people just, you know, they question it. And um, I'm really thankful that because of those moments, there are those landmarks in my faith mm. that I can tie back to in times of prayer, in so times good. of conversation yeah. that I can say, well, I know that it's worth it because I've seen this come out as a result. I know that my prayers, my time, my energy, my money weren't for nothing because I've gotten so much out of it. And so um, it just helps me be a better witness. Those altars, there's something like physical in my life that I'm able to say like, to me, God isn't just a person in a book. He's someone in my life. Wow. That's so good. I think one of the greatest rewards of sacrifice is experience. And it's exactly what you're saying. Because when you go through difficulty and you come out on the other side and you can stand on the altar that Jesus just gave you, that you've built and serve as a testimony, people can look and they can see, okay, that works. And now they see it and we have the experience to do it again. Because the reward for winning the battle is the next battle. The reward for the (laughs) sacrifice is the next sacrifice. Right. And we need the experience to trust it. To do it again. Here's what, here's what I love about that is any time that you're faced with an opportunity to sacrifice, to lay something on the altar, all that it does is expose how there's still flesh. Yep. Because it, it that hesitancy that you have is just showing you there's still more room for God in your life that you need to take out so that he can reside anytime that we Megan and I you know her her parents have a church and they have a missions conference every year and it never fails Mm. we know there's going to be a sacrificial offering given and it doesn't matter the amount it doesn't matter uh the, the the state of our life anytime that we go into it we already know like we know this is coming yep but yet the Lord will give a number and you feel that that hesitancy (laughs) even though every single time we've given not only did he restore but he would bless in crazy ways right there would be so much blessing on the other side of sacrifice but still that pre-sacrifice hesitancy that pre-sacrifice fleshliness will be exposed and it's an amazing way that the lord exposes just how much of us is still there but we rejoice not because of how much is there but 
it's the Lord drawing us to know that he wants that much more so that we could have that much more of him. Right. All that, all that sacrifice does, all that building an altar does is make more room for him in our life. And who doesn't want more of what he has? Who doesn't want to sacrifice the little stuff that we have on earth for the immeasurable, amazing things that he offers? And so the only thing I would say in that regard is, is actually, Asher, something that, that you mentioned. I love that altars, everybody's altar is going to look a little different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's altar is, is, is very much tied to their walk, their personal relationship with right. the Lord. And that's why I take issue sometimes whenever we begin to hardcore mitigate the do's and do nots because we take out the opportunity for God to personally convict, personally make his way to us and ask of something, like you said, Astrid, that really you wouldn't be able to find in the scriptures in detail, but yet the Lord makes his way to you and asks us of something of us. Not that anybody, it's not that everybody else has to give up that thing or lay whatever it is down, but it's a way that he shows himself that much more alive by asking that thing and us being able to lay it down and him showing this is the relationship I want with you. And like you said, Astrid, it's just a new way that he shows that he's alive and that he's with us because every single time that you do that on the other side is crazy blessing. Right. Anything else you want to add in that regard? Building altars? I just like to imagine that when we get to heaven, it'll be so cool to see like, I don't know, like an alley or some giant patch where it's just like sculptures of what every single altar looks like. And I can't imagine like the infinity of just like, I don't know, being able to see just like marble statues of like God's hand, like blessing people because of sacrifice or like, I don't know. Yeah. My mind goes there. Well, I mean... I think of, of Cornelius, you know, that the alms and prayers have went up as, as, and have built a memorial in heaven, right? We may not see the physical altar here. Now I would, I would recommend, you know, having, like Astra mentioned about building a house of prayer, having a place where you do right. pray a place. Cause the altar does need to be a place where you do humble yourself. The altar does have to be, especially in how you pray it, it has to be a place where you submit yourself before the Lord. Um, I rarely am asking God to forgive me of my sins and and to wash me and, and repenting and, and at that altar uh, in prayer without being in some sort of reverent position, be it on my knees or 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 just laid out before the Lord because it is, it's like I, I want God to reveal how how unclean I am to remind me of how holy he is, right. to know that a God that is that holy that would dwell with somebody that is so unclean, all it does is showcase his love. That's what the altar does. Yeah. It, it showcases much more of his love than it does our sacrifice. Right. Because he's always gonna meet us at the altar with something so much better. Yeah. So in that regard, and this is the last thing, building the kingdom. We. I think that's kind of tethered to what you mentioned, Astrid, where 
God at altars gives you testimonies, gives you these landmark moments that you can then look back on and remind yourself in prayer, but then also testify about to others. And so when it comes to building the kingdom by being a witness, being the bridge between God and people, what's practical ways, things that we can do, pro tips in our lives to build the kingdom and and be a witness? Well, I've had a really unique opportunity these past few semesters in school. You know, I'm in art school. All my classes are like studios. And if they're not like, they're just smaller environments where it's like, I'm literally like right there in an ecosystem of a million different people from a million different places that I get the opportunity to just like have such like intimate conversation with on the daily. It's something that like is effortless because we're all there and we're like inspired by what each other is doing. And so one thing that has been like really cool that I have not until recently really taken appreciation of is that opportunity to use those classes, to use those conversations, to speak life into other people. It's such a crazy world that like my generation is just like growing up, like, well, everybody, but like my generation especially is just like taking the hit for real. Um, Like mental health wise, just like trying to figure out what in the world is happening, like what do we anchor onto? And so uh, this semester especially, um, I've really made it a point Uh, to go back to one of those promises or one of those things that God asked me to do, which was he sat me, oh, I was like sitting down in prayer one day and he was like, I brought you here to worship. And in the moment I was like, that's a slap in the face, but also I needed that. (laughs) Um, But then when I took that and I really like made sure that that was like what resonated in me every single day, When I walk into class and a new project is introduced, my mind immediately now goes to, how can I turn this back to God? How can I turn this back into a testimony? How can I find my own way to restore art into the church and, you know, to glorify God? We all have our own stories and everyone can, you know, use their their art to tell their own stories, but I want to use my art to tell his story in the way that he has like impacted my life. So cool. So for me, it has been, it has been a lot of like stepping out of my comfort zone right, right. to like every single day sitting in class. What do you think about this? Well, this reminds me of this in the Bible, or this reminds me of, of the way that um, this happened in my life and I was changed. Um, it does really take you out of the comfort zone, but um, in the end, I do know that it is worth it. I'm beginning to see those fruits um, slowly come into play and people beginning to like trust me with different things in their life that like, I never really imagined people would trust me with. Um, But that's one of those things that like, when you devote conversation with those people that you meet on the daily, there there is like such a reward in that and being able to just like walk into class with a mind full of chaos, but still like, okay, everything is going crazy. Like, I don't know exactly like what's going on and like how I'm gonna even finish all the things I have on my plate on time, but I need to approach this with peace and show people that like my chaos does not impact me in a way that like, I don't know, it doesn't impact me in a negative way. Like I can like struggle with it for a moment, but know that like my peace comes from someplace different. Right. So, and that shows itself. It shows it. And and I, I would argue that having peace 
It's one of the greatest ways to be a witness in this in this day and age, yep. in this time, to know that it, it can it can be absolute, like you say, chaos everywhere. But we walk with peace because we know, hey, God's still on the throne. Yep. He's still sovereign, and we're gonna be fine, you know. And not everybody has that. And I think Astrid, what you highlighted too, goes back to the fact that the most used of witnesses have the most visited of altars yep. because your visits to the altar, those times that you spend in prayer, laying your flesh down, laying desire down, telling God, I want my cravings for the world, my appetite for the things of the flesh. I want that to be laid down before you so that your spirit can reign. If you go into those situations with flesh all over you because you haven't visited an altar, you're not going to step into those conversations. You're not going to overcome that, that social norm of keeping quiet about the things of God. You're not going to have that same boldness to have those conversations. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, that's so true. And I'm not going to sit here and say that like I'm perfect about it every single no, day. No, no. Um, but it comes with that intention. It right? does. And it has to be like a genuine like desire. But that intention is sourced in the altar, and the altar is found in a house of prayer. Yeah, it, it all connects. And I can't take credit of this. I heard this on, on a podcast that I recently listened to. Um, but ultimately, I think all of this builds up and it culminates in us dying to ourselves each and every day. Yeah. And when we can do that, we can live our life as dead men. Yep. And dead men don't have desires. They don't. Dead men don't have desires. They don't do what they want to do. When I die to myself every day, it's not about waking up and figuring out, okay, Mark, what do you want to do today? What do you want to accomplish? Yep. When you die to yourself and you live through the spirit, every day you wake up and your feet hit the floor, the question is, okay, Jesus, where are we going and what are we doing? Yep. That's it. That's, That's it. it. And the altar is where not only do you be reminded of God's love for you, but at some point, and, and I, I stand by this, in every believer's life, if you are really following God, really pursuing him, mm-hmm. there will be this, this turn. There will be this almost like paradigm shift where you realize this is a whole lot less about me. Yep and a whole lot more about reaching others. Because God, if you love me this much, if you're willing to meet me at an altar and take all this stuff away from me and exchange it for you, if you have that kind of love for me, I know you have it for somebody else. And that at the altar, we develop that, that burden to, to reach the lost. Astrid, I mean, I, I, that time that you asked for prayer for that, that one guy in your class, I mean, that, that comes from, even though it's a guy that apparently people don't really like, it comes from <laughs> spending time at an altar, developing a love for others as God has loved you. Right. And that turns itself into witness. Yeah. Turns itself into where, like you said, if you don't have desires, and guess what? You also don't really have preference. You don't have pride. Right. So you'll have those conversations and not really care. Yeah. Like I, I, and I, I've kind of entered that place now where I'm just, you know, why not have these conversations? Mm-hmm. Why, why not tell people, hey, you know what? Um, th- the word of God says this. Can I pray for you? Yeah. Why not? Because 
the worst thing that's going to happen is they say, no, I'm good. Yep. It's like, all right. Well, and I, I think too, like when, when we're talking about practicality, let's think practically. What do we have to lose? A soul in eternity. Wow. Talk about it. Like just casually a soul in eternity. Yeah. The responsibility that Jesus gave you in that moment to yep. do what he told you to do with what he gave you. A mandate. Yeah. You're, you are responsible when Jesus gives you a word to do it. Like, what do we stand to gain? A soul in eternity. A soul in eternity. And if we're, if we're knowledgeable, heaven rejoices when a sinner repents, much less is committed to following Christ yes. and is dedicating their life to yes. be a servant of his and to therefore increase the kingdom themselves. Amen. So when you look at the wins versus losses here, I think one is very, very clear. And if we're honest with ourselves, every time we shift ourselves towards the loss column and what's important is because of our fleshly desires and yep. how we look and what we want to do and what's convenient for us. And that's difficult. Yeah. But as Christians, Jesus calls us to overcome that. Absolutely. He just does. We have to. And it once again reminds us of the importance of the altar. Yep. It reminds us of the importance of building a house of prayer. Yep. I was at a, a conference recently. I thought it was awesome where they, they were talking about living sent. How do you, how do you live in a way that, that you live missionally? And in regards to relationships and, and trying to be a light, trying to be a witness, pray, invest, invite. That's what, it's easy. You pray for the person, you pray for their, their needs, you pray that they be blessed. You, you, whenever you pray for people, it gets into your spirit. That's why, you know, I, I pray for my, my family that's lost because whenever I'm around them, I'm reminded of those prayers and there's this urgency in me. And I believe that the more that you pray for it, the more that God will open up the opportunity for conversation. So when you pray, you also then invest, you invest into the relationship, you have coffee with them, mm -hmm. you have them over for dinner, you just, you, you, you be there for them. Because at some point, the more that you invest, connected, the more that you pray, there will be a moment God will open up the opportunity because life happens. Yep. These people are not excluded from the disappointments of life. Mm -hmm. And whenever the disappointments come, guess what you now have? You have the opportunity to either invite them to pray, invite them to a home group, Invite them to a Sunday service. Yeah. You pray, invest, and whenever God makes the opportunity right, invite. Right. We go opposite. We usually invite, barely invest, and sometimes pray. And we try to tether everything to the invite in hopes that the preacher will preach a right message. They'll get what they need from God in a Sunday service, but really what they need first is for us to pray for them on behalf of, of their soul, on behalf of their family, on behalf of their life. Invest into that relationship so there is a bond of trust. And that leads to the invitation because now they're with somebody with a strong relationship. And that isn't, I'm not saying that it's always going to be like that. There's going to be times where somebody, we meet them and just feel that need. Like they, right. they absolutely, they express a need for God. They express a need to find a church. I'm not saying that in those moments you don't right. <laughs> invite no. or whatever, right. but just being cognizant of, of the fact that if you just pray, invest, and invite, God will open up the open up the door. Right, and you you brought you said something that that sparked this thought for me. 
and we do all of that with the hopes that they're going to like walk into the church at the right time, at the right place and hear the right thing. And the right message is going to be great. When I think sometimes the message that they need to hear the most is the one that you live in front of them every day. Absolutely. And if we're going to build the kingdom, it's not going to be because we brought them on a Sunday and they heard their favorite preacher here preach a perfect message that was you know tied up in a bow and delivered perfectly. And the altar service was fantastic and the Lord moved they're going to get more out of what they see you do every single day in your everyday life and how you form your relationship with Jesus and what it looks like to live in the kingdom. Yep. They're going to get a picture of that every single day with how you live. So good. And it has to reflect a kingdom they want to be a part of. Absolutely. I feel like when we do it flipped, it'd be like telling somebody that you are really good at cooking or baking and they'd be like, yeah, come over. And then bringing in somebody else to cook for you, whenever Mm. you just like, go ahead and just like invite them to church first. Like imagine (laughs) being promised like Mark's cooking and then it turns out Taylor is cooking. Like (laughs) I feel like that's kind of a letdown. (laughs) No offense, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. Dude, look, I had a conversation with a friend the other day. I'll tell you why we do it is because we don't like the pressure. We think that it falls on us. We we're too scared of them finding out that we actually don't really believe the things that we said that we believe. We actually don't live the way that we say that we live. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Being a witness is the ultimate form of spiritual accountability. And so what we'd rather do is invite people to Sunday so that the preacher can convince them, so that the move of God can convince them, rather than what you're talking about, Mark, rather than our personal walk, our personal witness. Walking in the Spirit. When you walk in the spirit, once again, tethered to houses of prayer Mm -hmm. and building altars, when you walk in the spirit, you will walk into those opportunities and people will recognize that there's something different. There will be because what we have to remember is whenever we house and carry the spirit of the living God, that will draw other people's spirits they will not know it on a logical level they will not recognize it on a surface level but whenever you walk in the spirit it's what oh you we walk with light that shines in darkness and people are drawn to it and we have to walk into those opportunities with boldness with confidence the last thing that i'll say in this regard is something that uh was taught to me by by pastor michael yodder he, he said that you need to have your one minute wow. Mm-hmm. And what he means by that is you need to have your testimony at the ready. Yep. Have it practiced to where you can give your testimony in one minute or less. Yeah. Is that because that's all that it takes? Like an elevator pitch? Like, an ele- okay. like a okay. spiritual elevator pitch to where at any moment you can give the testimony and 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 sh- and ignite faith in somebody's life yeah. and so that's something i i actually i i encourage like see if you can nail down your testimony to where it's one minute or less can i throw out a reason why that's important yeah i feel like oftentimes we go through life and like when jesus puts us into situations the first question is hey jesus is this a situation that you want me to be in like are you telling me to do something here yeah let me take all the questions out the answer is yes the answer is yes like in it's a simple yes. form, the answer is yes. 
Jesus doesn't orchestrate stuff just by accident. So right. wherever you are with whoever's in the room with you, yep. whatever you're doing, it's on purpose. Especially and so, if, I, if it has to do with people, with reaching people, it's always yes. Yeah. There's no question. The answer is yes. The answer is always yes. And Jesus is very detail-oriented. So he's not going to put you in a room with these people by accident. Right. And you like you have tools. It's like one beggar who's starving and knows where bread is, not telling the other people where the bread is. Wow. We have to. Have to. We have to. So at the end of the day, the answer is yes. Tell them where it is. Tell them (laughs) where where the bread is. The answer is yes. Amen. Wow. Amazing. Ashford Mark, thank you guys so much. I feel better. I mean, this was an amazing conversation. You guys helped me. You've equipped me. I'm walking away with a lot of things that I want to implement in my own life. So thank you all so much. I pray that it was a blessing to everybody watching. Um, Pray that it's things that you'll be able to take into your life, whether it comes to building a house of prayer, building altars in your life, or building the kingdom through being a witness. And so we'll close with a word of prayer and just ask that God be with us and go with us. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity, God, to hear from other vessels, to have this conversation of things, spiritual, holy, sacred things that we can live out in our lives as we live for you. And I pray that every person that's listened to this, God, that they would walk away with something that they can do, Lord, a new way that they can live for you, a new way, oh God, that they can love you, a new way, Jesus, that they can practically live out spiritual kingdom principles. We thank you and we give you all praise and all glory that is due into your holy, wonderful, mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday. Thank you, Astrid. Thank you, Mar. You guys are the absolute best. Please implement these things into your life. Be blessed and be a vessel. And we'll see you very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining us in the Vessel Church podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also check us out on our Instagram at VesselChurchBR. And then make sure to check us out also on our website at VesselChurchBR.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And always be a vessel.